Hey, hi, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 34. How are you all doing out there? Thank you for listening once again, and we're back. So if you're listening, please five-star rate and review, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening, whatever DSPs you are streaming from, please do that. This week on the show, we have what's in the news. We're talking about finance news, a lot of cool stuff, a lot of interesting stuff. So please tune in for that. We also have our finance roundtable. We're going to talk about financial advising for the wealthy. I don't care if you're wealthy listening to this podcast, if you're not, but there's something you can learn from this. And you may be on that path. You may be a wealth builder, a wealth accumulator. So we'll talk about that. Then we'll also talk about personal life bingeables, what's on the, what's to, uh, there to watch, and an interview with Tamara Smith. So please stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. What's in the news this week? Business and finance news. I love giving you guys the news. So if you're liking it, keep sharing it, keep learning from it, keep asking questions. So this week I wanted to start with a market update. We had the tech sell off uh, for the past few, you know, call it a week prior to, you know, yesterday's recovery and um, yesterday and the day before recovery. So I'm recording this Thursday morning. The futures are down right now. So yeah, we've had a little bit of a correction to pull back profit taking, if you will, in the market. And I think that was needed. Um, people that have been trading since March have been on this bull market since March, uh, especially in the tech sector. It's a lot of people taking profits, but that's okay, especially for people that are longer term horizon. You can understand uh, that this might be a better time to you know look at valuations of the names that you're following. Uh, so profit taking was happening in, in certain areas of the market. And that's okay. But as we sit now, the the uh, futures are down. Uh, the market futures are, are down. And uh, the Fed had their meeting yesterday and they came saying that they were keeping interest rates lower, uh, which is usually a good sign uh, for equities. Uh, but equities responded with the reversal. Uh, first, it jumped on the news of the Fed statement that it reversed back to the downside. So something to watch out for um, and understand your framework for investing, especially in these times. I think I presume it'll be a little bit more volatile as we get into the election and uh, different areas. But that's just kind of a market update, what we've gotten going so far. But let's talk Oracle. Oracle, the Silicon software giant beat out some of the biggest names in corporate America to land TikTok and its 100 million monthly user US base. But there was not a there was no sale used in the terms of the statement. What Oracle said, or what TikTok and Oracle said, is that Oracle will be TikTok's trusted tech partner, not acquire. A full sale isn't expected to be part of the fine print, but Oracle's deal is to act as TikTok's new tech, trusted technology partner. Could be worth more could be worth more than one billion in potential revenue annually for Oracle's cloud business in the coming years, according to previous undisclosed data by the information. So what does this mean? Uh, really, what Oracle and TikTok agreed on was for Oracle to invest some money, take on their, so TikTok's information is held on Google's cloud currently. I, I believe it may, it may actually be Amazon's cloud, one of the two, but that will be transferred over to Oracle's cloud services and it's going to be more of an investment. It's not going to be an actual full-on acquisition because uh, TikTok wasn't, I think it's actually more because of the the Chinese government is not 
really going to allow that to happen. And so there's still more to come from this. I don't know if this deal is actually going to close because, you know, for the terms of our administration, they said that they wanted to be a total sale, if I'm not mistaken. And so now we're going to see two superpowers, like I talked on CNBC Fast Money last Friday, two superpowers in, in governments and nations going at it because this is TikTok's a huge asset. For the people that I talked about this earlier, people that I know that use this, they're obsessed with this thing. I have one. I barely use it. I don't know. I just don't know. I don't have time to making videos and switching and, and doing all this and editing. That, that takes too much time. Who, who has that time? Um, but, you know, the people that use it, they love it. The algorithm seems to be great. But this means that we're going to have, you know, this is more to come to this. I don't know if this transaction is going to close. Oracle was picked. Microsoft was not. But there's more to come with this with this news. So we'll stay so very close to that. Next up, Nikola Motors versus short sellers. So I don't know if I talked about this last week, but Nikola Motors is an upstart electric truck maker. Um, and they're, you know, it's still very early stage, but they've IPO'd and they've, you know, raised funds. And they actually had a, a research report by Hindenburg Research. It's a short seller. It's a short selling company. At least they're short Nikola Motors, meaning they don't believe in the company and they believe that it's a fraud pretty much. They put out a report saying that they believe Nikola Motors is an intricate fraud. And they had, you know, all these sightings of, of different things um, in the report. So if you want to actually check out the report, go check it out online. But I'm not going to go through everything that was in it. And Nikola Motors responded. Uh, Trevor Milton is the CEO of Nikola Motors, and he called the Hindenburg Research Report a hit job. Uh, and he said that it was, you know, just to really get them profit Hindenburg Research profit for short selling because when they put this report out, the stock drop, price dropped, which is actually presumably correct. This in the sense that Hindenburg Research, if they were short selling the stock, got huge profits from that short sale, uh, from that uh, drop in the stock price, excuse me. And so now the SEC is now investigating Nikola Motors over the fraud allegation. So the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, is now stepping in and they're going to investigate these fraud allegations. Uh, so that's actually going to be interesting. This stock is volatile. It's a very volatile company. I've stayed away and, and again, do your own research. I don't know enough about this company to be to be someone that's really involved in it on a personal basis as far as my personal investing. But uh, yeah, that's uh, very interesting stuff and I'm going to be watching out for that. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to see you know, what what's going to transpire from this. So we'll have to keep a close eye on it. Apple Day, another next up in the news, we're going to talk about Apple. Apple had another one of their showings and events. I don't know what you even call them these these days. Uh, but they pretty much said that they're going to do a lot more bundling of their services. So, you know, they rolled out a couple of game plans. One is Apple Fitness Plus, which connects users to online workouts um, and, and allows people to have that bundle. And, and Apple Bundle, Apple One Bundles, the company... Apple's now paid music TV plus arcade plus iCloud offerings into $14.95 a month subscription. So that's the bundle deal. Apple One Bundle is going to have paid music TV, TV Apple Plus plus arcade and iCloud offerings into $14.95 a month subscription. So Apple's offering family tier that includes added storage and premiere tier that includes Apple News plus fitness. So Apple's doing a bundle script. This was down the pipeline for a while. Analysts, people following them kind of saw this coming. So doing this, I think it makes sense uh, from an Apple perspective. It's another way like rap, Apple keeps innovating. People say, oh, you know, Apple's 
is not innovating anymore. They keep finding ways, new ways to make money off people. So if that's innovation enough, then that, yeah, they're definitely doing that. It's hard to come up with groundbreaking products every year. Yeah, that's super hard. And they wouldn't even want to do that from a business perspective. You have to, it's how, quite interesting the way businesses and, and public companies have to actually tier slash slowly roll out their upgrades because of you know how they're viewed on a quarterly basis, right? If you do something, smash a quarter out of the water, it's hard to taper back expectations from that point on. So that's actually a very interesting conversation that we might get into at a later date of how public companies actually kind of pull back on on having super stellar uh, above blow out of the water quarters and whatnot. Anyway, so Apple had this event and market was okay with it. I think it actually turned down on the on the day with the their overall tech sector and the market was down. The tech sector was down uh, on Wednesday after uh, after this um, Apple day, but you know. Peloton was in the crosshairs because Apple Fitness is, is coming out as well. So they're going to have stream fitness content and different things, uh, which is a direct shot to, you know, Pelotons of the world and those sort of in-home, you know, places where people are doing their workouts. So that's something to watch out for. Mulan, let's go to Disney. We talked about Apple. Now we're moving over to Disney uh, and, just mu- and just theater releases in general. But Mulan and Tenet. The two biggest pandemic movie theater releases, basically, well, this report says they didn't do that well. So uh, Tenet came out, uh, it's a Warner Bros. Um, sh- uh, movie. And yeah, the budget was $205 million to produce, not even including marketing costs, which could have pushed it up to $400 million. To just break even, they had to do $400 million in the box office, which is crazy. And Tenet didn't do that well. They've only done $200 million globally, only $30 million in the U.S. I thought I could watch it, but no one told me that movie theaters weren't open in New York, and it was just in New Jersey, and I'm not going all the way out there. So, yeah, I haven't seen Tenet yet, uh, but apparently it's it's not doing that well as far as the box office is concerned. There aren't break even. It's just hard times. You know, you don't have theaters open everywhere. You don't have people that comfortable going to theaters. So, yeah, and then Mulan was on Disney, and Disney released it straight to Disney Plus, and they asked people to pay $30 on top of having your Disney Plus membership. And it did okay, I thought, but this report's saying that it only brought in just $38 million, uh, from theaters, but it cost Disney $300 million. Oh, I guess from that standpoint, yeah, it didn't do that great. <laughs> if you cost you $300 million to make a movie and you only made $38 million your opening week or opening weekend, not great numbers, not at all. Uh, so you got to write some of that off. Um, but Disney hasn't released total numbers, but according to Mul- uh, to a report, Mulan made $33 million plus on opening weekend, um, which, yeah, not a great not a great opening. Uh, so we'll have to keep watching that. The theaters are going to be changed. The, mu- the mu- movie industry, all these things, movies, music, concerts, theaters, wh- wh- where do we go from here? When are people going to be able to, to, to go back to these theaters to be, feel comfortable how are the how is the business model going to change for companies? Do they have to cut budgets um, when it comes to making things? How do we do this? Because it seems like there's no answer for some of these companies, and they definitely have to figure it out sooner than later, or risk, uh, you know, keep to keep writing things off as a loss. So that's very interesting. Now on to sports, folks. All my sports fans out there, perk up, listen up. The Big Ten changed its mind. So the Big Ten had previously said that they were not going to play sports this year, in this fall, excuse me. And they changed their mind. They saw the other schools doing it, and presumably it's been going well uh, for the other schools. But football is back. The NFL is back. I watched uh, on Sunday my Vikings lose, unfortunately, and I also watched me lose my fantasy football mate 
matchup when I should have not have started Cooper Cup over Calvin Ridley? What was I thinking? Why didn't anybody tell me? But I took an L, but I'll be back. My team is loaded and locked. I have Odell Beckham Jr. And that's no, that's no, that's no, no messing around with that. All right. The rumors of him and what he's been doing are not true. He's out here to play. So I have Odell Beckham Jr. tonight versus I forgot who they're playing tonight, but we'll be watching tuned into that. But the Big Ten, back to the Big Ten. The Big Ten conference said they're gonna play. They're resuming October 24th, I believe. Uh, they're going to go back after it. So hopefully the kids stay safe. They're, they were wild. They were the one big conference. I was like, we shouldn't have the kids out there. And they, but they've changed their mind. They're like, oh, wait, all everybody else is playing and we're losing money. So we got to go back out there. <laughs> so yeah, they're back out there. They strapped the cleats back on. Uh, some of the kids do want to play. I'm not going to lie. The kids, some of them do want to play. Like as much as, you know, the kids believe that they're, we all know that they're being taken advantage of, right? Like, the people making profiting millions and billions, schools billions off of these young kids. Um, they do love the sport. I played football for many, many years, and I still love the sport. You know, as much as you grind, you love it. Um, so that's that's uh, something to be considered. But yeah, they're back at it. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that transpires uh, in the future. All right. Well, we talked a little bit about the Federal Reserve. So the Federal Reserve uh, meeting, the central bank gathered Tuesday and Wednesday for their policy meeting. A number of items were on the agenda, but the Federal Open Market Committee really much said that they pretty much said they're going to keep rates lower. They're still sticking with their plan. Um, and it was kind of a dovish um, outlook. Uh, and what really the markets responded to, you know, first bounce and then, and then pulled back on the news. So we're going to be watching for what the Fed is doing. The Fed, people I keep asking me, oh, rates are low. How long are they going to be low? The Fed is does tell us how long rates are going to be low. So I don't have the exact answers, but I know the exact answers from the Fed. So rates will be lower as far as we are, the policies that are being set by the Federal, uh, the Fed, the Federal Reserve. Um, so that's kind of something to watch out for. All right, folks, that was a lot, a lot of news. I went on, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, thank you for listening to the news update. Next week we're gonna have our next up. We're gonna have our roundtable. Talk a little bit about financial advising for wealthy people. What you should look out for. So let's talk about that coming up next. Hey, hey everyone, gather round. Pull up a chair. What else do you do when you're gonna listen to something? Pull up a chair. Listen close. Open your earlobes, because I want to talk about financial advising for wealthier people. So what are the wealthy? Like, I would consider the wealthy people um, someone that really doesn't have to work in the sense that they don't need any more income, and they just have literally have all their time themselves, um, do what they want, they have enough liquidity, cash to do so. Um, and it could be, you know, pro athletes, it could be whatever. Someone that just got a big contract, artists, whatever have you. And wealth is relative because, you know, there's people that could make a lot less but live their cost of living and their way they live their life allows them to not have to have as much and still be well off. But what do you have to look for in these situations? Um, one, you need to be a, in a position where you are protecting yourself because 
there's a lot of people when you're wealthy or whatever that will try to take advantage of the fact. Like we think about NFL players, athletes, you know, I would say they need to protect themselves in the sense of the people around them, their team, agents, advisors, what have you. These people, a lot of them are preying on the fact that you don't know the intricacies of contracts, the intricacies of what you're owed, the intricacies of what you can do on your own, what you should pay for. And they prey on that fact. And so you want to be able to really suss out who in your network, who in your in your team, in your circle, has their best interest in mind. Because trust me, a lot of people will not. People just want a piece of pie. That's that's really the way it works. And when you come into a lot of money, people get nasty. People are very shady. Especially I've dealt with that like in the agent world. I would definitely say that's a very shady NFL agent world, pro agent world. It's a very shady world because there's a lot of stuff at stake for people. And when people start dealing with a lot of stuff at stake, they start getting outside of them. Or maybe they're showing themselves who they really are. They become very nasty. They become very um, just very greedy, greedy people. Um and so that's one thing, protecting yourself at all times. You're wealthy, athlete, whatever, protect yourself. Understand what you can do on your own and what, what you need to pay for. It was funny, Kanye West just put his whole music contract on Twitter because he's upset at the fact that he doesn't even own his masters. He doesn't even own his own music, people. Can you imagine that? You being a biggest, biggest star in the world, one of the biggest musicians ever that's ever lived this world, no matter what you think of him. He's one of the biggest musicians that's ever walked this earth, and he doesn't even own his own music. He can't, he can't play. It's not, it's not funny, but it is quite funny. The fact that people are, you know, the same thing with like uh, Taylor Swift. She doesn't own her old old catalog. She owns all the stuff from now on. And so wealthy people, when you sign these contracts, I will never sell New Street I will, to, to anyone fully, unless, ever. Especially someone I don't know or like, I would never do that. This firm is 100% owned by me. 100% will always be owned by me. And and people ownership is huge. That's another thing I want to talk about. But I'm gonna I'm skipping all around. But let's talk about that. Ownership is a hundred percent huge. And if you're a wealthier person, make sure you own everything that you your trademarks. Make sure everything is owned. Make sure everything is. If you're even on the path to feeling like you're gonna be wealthy, make sure you own everything. Make sure you never give up any portion of your your company, your equity, your ownership. Because at the end of the day, if you're not reading the fine print and understanding what you're giving up, um, you're, you're you're in trouble. So you have battles with these huge musicians and people that don't even own their own. They're not even picked really free, as, as he he called it. Kanye West on his Twitter said he didn't even feel free. He called it you know another word to use it. But I won't use what what he was saying in, in that in that aspect. But I do think the point across he's trying to get is people that don't have ownership of their own stuff. Uh, of their own, you know, cash flow, their own businesses. It really puts you in a tough, tough position. I 100% own New Street and everything related to it, this podcast, everything. And I'll never give any of that up to anyone. And I've had people ask for it. I had companies call me. They're trying to buy in and they'll never get a piece of this, especially people, no offense, that they are not part of this, this, uh, they're not, no, you you don't even know me from Adam and you want to call me. No, never. I'll hang up right on their face. Um, the next thing is when you're wealthier, you have to take less, you don't have to take as much risk and risk in the sense of, you know, you're just want to preserve wealth. So when we're talking about investing in those aspects of investing for wealthier people, you know, we're still buying blue chip securities, but we really just want to protect 
what we have. We don't have to, we can be more risk averse. We can have bonds. We can have different things. Cause one, we have more liquidity Two, we're at a situation where we just, we have, we built up the wealth so we can take less risk. We can be more conservative with the fact that we're just trying to conserve our liquidity, our, our, our wealth, and we don't need to do anything in the sense of, you know, being risky in those situations. So uh, when you're wealthier, you can be more risk conservative and, and not take more risk because you already have liquidity and, and the finances it should means already. So you can be in less, more bonds and less white equities. You can, you can do that. You can have more cash on the sidelines. It's different things of those natures. So that's some, a couple things to to think about. Um, so one, you want, definitely want to protect and understand your circle. Two, you definitely want to make sure you own everything. Because a, a business and entity and cash flowing entity, these are these are actual worth to them. Like my business, my firm has actual worth. Like beyond what I obviously make, like it has a real a value, a lot of value actually. Um, so you want to understand that. Um and really understand, you know, what you're worth and make sure that you own everything. And then also you can be more conservative. You can hundred percent be more conservative. So for all my wealthy people out there, well, your wealth accumulators, you're on the path for it. You already are understand what you're doing, understand your situation, reach out to me. If you, if you don't already work with me and you want to have some question answered, cause I definitely, definitely got you. Next up, we're going to talk more about my life, personal life. We're going to set up the interview with Tamara Smith, so hope you guys stay tuned. Hi. Personal life update. Bingeables interview setup. We are at that time, folks. So what did I do this past week? Um, besides always working, because I'm never not working, as the saying goes. Um, yeah, I talked about the NFL Sunday kicked off. It was it was really cool to, to see us back in a little bit of normalcy. You know, it, it's you know watching NFL football on a Sunday. The, the air is getting crisper. It's 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 football weather, and I don't like that much because I hate winter. But it is good because you know football is here. NFL, NBA is still going on. My Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals. LeBron is on the chase for, is it his fourth ring? Or his, yeah, his fourth ring, I believe. And he deserves it. He's a beast. And hopefully they stop through the Nuggets and the Clippers choked and lost to the Nuggets in Game 7. And so LeBron hopefully has a path to face the Heat in the Finals, hopefully. That's, that's my prediction. I want Heat, the Lakers, Lakers take it. LeBron solidifies himself as the best to ever touch an NBA court. And then we got the NFL. My Vikings didn't look that great. All right. Sorry for non-sports fans. Vikings didn't look that great. We didn't. Our corners were looking like if I were out there at 31 years old, I can still get it, though. Don't worry. My back pedal is still crisp. All right, folks, don't let me pull out the cleats because I might have to suit up for them. You never know. They may call. They may, they may call. I'm still holding on. <laughs> no, I'm not holding on. I would never want to play in the league. Um, beat up my body for, for not that, not that much money. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is uh, a, a good thing that sports are back and we're all seeing it and watching it. Uh, and now, you know, bingeables, I actually watch a new show. It's kind of, you know, rated M for mature. So don't watch with the kids, but P Valley, that was quite interesting. It's on stars, but I watched it through <laughs> a freer site. <laughs> so, um, yeah, check that out if you guys are interested in something like that. 
what else am I watching? Uh, nothing really else. And yeah, we're going to keep going. I'm going to be on Cheddar, Cheddar Live on Monday, 310 Eastern. So make sure you check me out on Cheddar. We're going to be talking about personal finance. Uh, so I'll be on Cheddar Live, 310 Eastern, Monday. And that is September 21st. So yeah, check that out. Um, and next up, we actually have an interview. Great person, someone that has so much insight, great experience, a lot of valuable gems. Uh, my friend Tamara Smith, a great interview coming up next. She has so much to talk about. So please tap into her, follow her on social media, stay up with what she's doing. She's a wonderful and brilliant coach, um, career person, someone that can help and has helped has helped a lot of people. So stay tapped into that. Hope you guys enjoyed the interview and I hope you guys enjoyed this week's show. Let's keep rolling. We're keep, let's keep Team New Shade. Let's keep this going. So many new listeners have popped up. This has been spreading like wildfire. We have to keep spreading this Team New Street. Uh, keep listening. Keep sharing the, the podcast. So thank you for the people that have messaged me and said they love the podcast. Uh, let's keep doing this every week. I'll keep doing I will never take a break. I, I don't plan to ever take a break. I plan to keep giving you guys contact, content every week. So stay tapped in and let's keep growing this thing, Team New Street. All right. Thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Perfect. Well, everyone, thank you for joining for the interview portion of the Your Money, Your Life podcast. We have Tamara Smith here joining. Uh, Tamara's going to talk a lot, a lot of interesting stuff around you know, what she does as a, as a coach, guidance counselor, and someone that really helps a lot of people through many different ways. Uh, but we actually met through uh, the Phoenix Project, which is a platform for people that are looking for healing. It's a community. It's a great app, um, which I had Melissa on the, the podcast many, many weeks back. Um, so if you guys listen to that one. But yeah, yeah, Tamara, thank you for joining uh, and speaking with me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, and yeah, thank you for mentioning the Phoenix Project. I mean, that is how we met. So um, yeah, I was delighted to get some support through this whole COVID thing. You helped me out with, um, I didn't think I was eligible for the uh, PPP loan and I was. Um, I'm, a, I'm a contractor, I've had my own contract for the last 10 years with a major supply chain company here in California um, that was shut down due to COVID in March. So yeah, I'm just so grateful for the Phoenix Project. We're doing so much great work there. Um, it's community-centered healing. Um, and you can find it on Mighty Networks. Um, you can contact either either me um, or Melissa Barker on Instagram at I am Phoenix Rising, or um, at um, Dream Tree Four One Two, or at The Grieving Mind to join. It's Man. free to the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, love love Phoenix. Been helping out. Love what Melissa's doing. And yeah, and you kind of mentioned that you talked about a little bit about Phoenix Project and what, what's going on there, but then also your own your own uh, venture, which uh, you mentioned you were contracting with the company. What have you been up to, I guess, through your career? I'd love to hear more about your background, what you've been up to and how you've been helping people. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty, um, pretty hardcore 180 degree pivot in my career that I've been doing over the last couple of years. Um, you know, I started out as an athlete, so I, usually, I always say that as my first career because as an Olympic athlete, you you are training at least forty hours a week. Mm. It's very intense. You're probably gonna say this, but what what did you do? What event? <laughs> I did luge, actually. Oh, interesting. 
Yes. I don't know what that is, to be honest. Yeah, Luge. So you, you're familiar with um, bobsled. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's like the two or the four man team. Now they have females. Females can go. They have female teams too now. That's something very, very new. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so um, my boyfriend in high school, he was an athlete and so was his sister. And um, I went out and tried the sport. Um you know, on just on wheels. That's how the that's how they recruit all of their new athletes. That's how they still do it to this day. In fact, uh-huh. and fell in love, fell in love with the sport, um, and tested and raised my own money to compete, wow. and that was it. Yeah, that's impressive. And so, you yeah. were part of the Olympics, and then what happened after that? Um, you know, I never actually went. I never made it to the Olympic team. Um, I was on the cusp. I, was, I made the senior national B team, like mm. boy. And at that time, I would have had to raise all my funds again and go through that whole process. And, um, you know, at the time, I was looking at the sport itself and where the United States stood in comparison to Russia and Germany, mm. like the big Eastern Bloc countries and how we were, we were, you know, I mean, we were decades behind them as far as our sled technology and training went. And um, I just knew, I, for me, success would have been meddling in the sport. Mm. And I just, I just kind of saw that that wasn't going to be possible. Um, so um, I, I knew that not, not only would it not be possible, but it wasn't going to be possible for another decade. And I was right. Um, <laughs> and I didn't want to be 28 years old and, you know, not have a career, not have a family, not have mm. my education. So, yeah, so I left and decided to go to school. Mm-hmm. It was a, the best decision I could have ever made. Oh, so, yeah, it is the best decision. You're yeah. so forward thinking. Athletes are very poor. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> they have very, a great life. It's, you know, it's a struggle for sure. American exact, athletes. Yeah, because they're not paid. They're amateur athletes. Exactly. You're right. Especially in that, I mean, that sport, it sounds like it's a great sport, but, I, it, but it doesn't have a big commercial appeal. It sounds no, like. it doesn't have a very big following in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. I was, <laughs> so, yeah, you made the right choice. And then you obviously went to school. And I guess, tell me what you've been up to as far as, you know, graduate. You've been helping a lot of people with, with counseling I'd love to hear more about what you've been doing in the wellness space as well. Sure, sure. Um, so I was a fitness professional for 17 years, um, and the last 10 of which I held a contract with McMaster Car Supply Company. They're a major supply chain company here in Southern California. Mm. Um, so I developed a program to help onboard all of their um, new employees, all of their new hires to get them uh, physically fit and ready for the job mm. and to teach them stretching and nutrition um, to help them develop strategies um, around their health goals because it's, the jobs themselves are so um, physically intense mm. that they, it really is like being an athlete in a sport. In fact, maybe even more so with some of the positions. Um, so yeah, I run that. I successfully ran that for 10 years. I, I think I tested something like 600 warehouse employees wow. um, at different times. And I ran, I think it was 300 more than 350 people through my program successfully with a 94% completion rate. So Hmm. it was a very fun, um, successful program that I ran right up until March 13th. (laughs) Wow. Well, first of all, congrats on that success and what you've been doing for, you know, those, those employees, um, big value add, as you mentioned, keeping them healthy, keeping them fit, keeping their wellness about them, um, keeping them trained for the job. That's impressive. That's super, super impressive. And, you know, hey, understandably, it's the world turn upside down. 
uh, through COVID and now, but we are getting on the other side, which is a lot about things that you talk about is helping people through. I'd love to hear more about the grieving mind. You're helping people who, you know, we went through a pandemic. We went through a lot of things. A lot of people experienced what you experienced was, was, you know, just things that were just like different from the norm. They were just, we were thrown off our normal schedule of things. What is yeah. the grieving mind? Was the grieving mind born from that? Or was it born prior to this? I would love to hear more about that. Sure. Yeah. I started the grieving mind in um, 2012 after I had uh, went through um, a six month period where I went through uh, my divorce was final. Mm. Um, I was, uh, you know, so, so remember this was like 2009 to April, May, 2010. Mm. My divorce was final in December. My mom passed um, that same month. And then that winter, my ex-business partner and I were up basically wrapping up a medical recruiting business. So we had a limited success in, um, but we had the, we had purchased a franchise and uh, the franchisor uh, was committing fraud. Mm. <laughs> so we were um, involved in a, in a lawsuit with that, with her and uh, 30 mm. of the other franchisees. Um, wow. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of changes inside a six month period. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, I lost my brother to, um, to some police violence in, wow. um, at the end of February, a few months later. So that was a wrongful death lawsuit. Um, and, um, a month after that, um, <laughs> uh, my aunt had uh, made the assumption that she was going to be getting my mother's house and, started doing demolition on the house. So, wow. yeah. So I had to hire a lawyer and, um, order a cease and desist. I mean, it was, it was quite a lot. So, yeah. Um, so, and I just, I say all that because I mean, that's a lot to go through in one lifetime, let alone, let alone the six month period. Mm. Um, and you know, recovery is possible. Um, that's why, that's one of the reasons I created the groovy mind. I just, I mean, at the time I didn't, there was very little information out there about grief and loss. or there's a lot of misinformation. There wasn't a lot of support services. Mm. People weren't openly talking about loss. If your own family has a problem talking to you about it, of course, strangers are going to have a hard time or, you know, friends and family. There's just a lot of misconception. Yeah. Um, so I basically framed the grieving mind through the lens of your identity Mm. Um, because at, at that time, um, I was going through a huge identity shift, um, with, with life and what I thought, you know, I basically was having an existential, existential crisis. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I basically started that to help other people through multiple different types of loss because, um, through any big loss like that, whether it's a divorce or a job loss or, a loss of an opportunity that you were working on for a long time, but it just didn't, it fell through or a relationship or death, whatever. Um, you know, you're going to go through some, it's just quite, quite likely that you'll go through some shifts in your values. So, yeah. It, exactly. Shifts in the values and, and just getting over like one, you know, the things that you mentioned, obviously hard, hard, life things and difficult to, difficult to get through. So I'm glad one, you started something that was probably a little bit of a outlet for you in a sense um, to help understand the steps needed to get through. And then you started to help others, which I love about what you did um, and, and really help others. I guess, what have you seen as far as the people you've coached and worked through any grief counseling or just wellness in general? 
What have you seen? How it affects people? How can they get to the other side? Are there any overview tips? I know you would have to really get specific to understand a person's situation, but mm -hmm. any high level overview tips on how you, people can try to work through things, obviously joining Phoenix and maybe be having a place to talk, but other, and, and working with you, but other ways, you know, you think, you think people can, you know, work through those things? Yeah, definitely. Um, I currently have a, a grief journal that I offer um, through my site and, um, and online as well. So that's, that's just something that I can, that I just give away. It's a PDF. Mm. Um, it's helpful for just for processing the complex emotions that come along with grief. Um, even if you had, even if you had a loss that you were expecting, it, there, you can still have complicated emotions. And um, I think, you know, the journaling or the talking about it, the talk therapy, or if you do coaching, it's just basically a space where you can uh, process all that so that you're not bottling up the emotions and then they're coming out in a negative way, you know, at work or with your other family members that are still here. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, you know, also it just, the grief just takes time. It takes the time that it takes. So, um, it's really, really critical to not try to rush other people through their grief. Um, you know, they're they're going to they're going to come to their own place of when they're ready to set down the grief itself. I mean, you don't ever set down the love you had for that for that person, place, thing, job, opportunity, whatever. Um, but um, there comes a point in time where you you know, hopefully the person would want to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. The toughest, I feel like the toughest, part. well, I guess, I guess, yeah, moving forward is the toughest part. We want to, we, we dwell on it sometimes. We all have gone through things. You sit on it, you dwell on it. I'm an overthinker, an OCD overthinker. So yes, that's part of Same. <laughs> so when that <laughs> grief, if something hits you, you just like dwell in that. And so moving forward as you help people through is, is super, super important. And I'm super glad that you're actually like doing this work, which I think is impressive and amazing. What about, yeah. let's one talk of the about- best thing, I want to mention too, one of the best things that I was able to do that, that I, it was actually a practice that I had to look, teach myself was, um, was being in the present moment as, as an overthinker like you, um, the rumination can be really, oh, just suffocating, right? thinking about I could have done this or I could have done that. And the mm -hmm. reality is, no, you couldn't. It happened exactly the way that it happened, How, whatever, however the loss occurred, whatever type of loss it was. Um, so getting more in the present moment was really, really helpful for me to clear my mind, get back to center, get back to myself so that I could move forward mm. instead of being stuck in the past. Yeah. yeah, that gets back back center. That's huge. I love that. I love that piece, piece of advice. And then what about working with people and they've got through, we, me and you talked about this and, and we shared a little about like whether it's divorce or loss or like preparing for things. I know you, I'm the expert when it comes to what you do for that, but have you seen the situations where it's like money or what money lessons have you learned through all, um, you know, your, your past experiences that stuck, that stick with you now? Uh, what money lessons or maybe values or tips or things you wish, wish you would have known prior to Is there anything that, that comes to mind for you? Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. Um, you need to protect your assets. So that's the first thing. I mean, I, whether you have, whether you have a family or not, if you have any amount of assets, even a car, <laughs> that needs to be, you know, be, that you need to do your paperwork to give that to who you, you want that to go to. Mm -hmm. And of course, if you do, if you are married, you do have a family 
and you're young, you need to handle your paperwork. Mm. Um, so there's, um, there's a great site that's up and available now. She runs, she's actually in New York City as well. Uh, the name of the company is lantern.co. And um, it's a free site. You can sign up and they have people there that can help you process all of that sort of paperwork for a living trust, living will, power of attorney, a DNR, which is a do not resuscitate, mm -hmm. which is going to be really important right now. If you were a person that is immunocompromised and are at risk for COVID, you know, maybe, maybe you do want to be, you know, maybe it is a possibility that you would like to be resuscitated if you know that there's a possibility that you could survive, you know, mm. people are going under and maybe they're in a coma for a couple of weeks on a, on a vent, um, but they do come out of it. So the, you know, people are going to feel a little bit differently about that right now. Mm. Um, and, but the, as far as their, their assets go, um, you know, again, protecting your assets and uh, being really careful not to make any major decisions in the, I'm going to say the first year or two after a loss, mm, like that, after, yeah. a, after a death. Mm. Yeah. I mean, unless you just, you absolutely have to for legal or financial reasons, if you can hold off on making any sort of major decisions financially, um, or at least consult with someone you know, maybe like with you to see what are the pros and cons, mm -hmm. you know, what are the good, what are, what are the long-term implications going to be of, of mm -hmm. a decision such as A, B, or C. And then speaking with someone that like you that has, that has, is emotionally removed from the scenario, yeah. you might be able to come up with an option D, E, or F that is far more sens sensible than, you know, what they, what they had thought of because mm -hmm. the mind's really cloudy in grief. So. Yeah, that's a great, great point. Like, it's hard, like you said, take a step back. Like you said, papers in order, make sure that's in order before for everyone in your family and for protecting yourself, protecting your assets. Something, you know, like you mentioned, the site you mentioned, obviously here it's in my firm, independent firm, we do trust and whatnot. So that's totally 100%. And then, like you said, giving yourself a breather and or consulting a professional who can uh, walk you through and have an outside perspective, unattached uh, perspective, obviously empathetic, but still unattached and using it based on logic. We're going through something we may not always think clearly at that time. Uh, so we need to give ourselves space. We need to consult with professionals. That's a great, great point. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that point. And then yeah, back, absolutely. back to you, lastly, you know, what's going on? What's next? Uh, what are the big things next? I know Phoenix, things with yourself, um, so much stuff cooking. What, what are your goals for the next five, 10 years for yourself and what's going on with the business consulting and then also where people can, you mentioned where people can kind of reach you, but if there's other places that how they should reach you and get out to you, I'd love to hear that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely active on the, on the, uh, Phoenix platform and on Instagram, um, often, um, my site, I need to update my, my website currently, but I'm on, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, I'm easily accessible, you know, I got a good person um, for that so website too. Joy Valerie. She's awesome. Joy, yes. she's updating my website and it looks so much better shout out to joy and not okay. shout out to the people that did my website before you guys suck uh joy is awesome <laughs> <laughs> craft is web design yeah. you guys suck um but yeah anyways joy joy is yeah. awesome i just an aside uh you can continue i apologies no problem um but yeah i mean i'm looking to you know when i started the grieving mind i really wanted a place that was just full of resources and, you know, valuable information that could help a person getting through 
you know, their process. Hmm. Um, so, you know, um, before COVID started, I was, I was actively working with um, my best friend on creating uh, retreats, um, building out retreats for people to come, you know, come for a week or two or a month uh, to help, you know, process their loss and, and basically um, integrate the loss itself and learn, relearn who they are now without their beloved right whether that was a job again a job a person a you know whatever that was a house that they lost in a fire <laughs> so you know any one of those things um but um so and that we'll oh, we'll get back to that when you know before covid hit um i was in the, i was actively building retreats and and doing retreats with a, a best friend of mine um so, and we'll get back to that. We'll get back to holding retreats for people that are in main, major life transitions. Um, that's not what I like to call them, a grief and transition coach. A lot of people don't, um, the word grief does not resonate for them because they only think of it in, re, in relation to a death. Um, but, you know, people experience grief around a lot of different things, particularly if they were like really identified with their job. And we've, we've seen a lot of people lose their jobs in the last mm. year here. So, um, and as I said, there's gonna be a big now or stuck and it's because they don't know how to, they don't, they don't know how to source who they are anymore if that- That's amazing. Um, hopefully you can, yeah, that, that makes sense. I think if you're able to do that, and which I think you will, you're someone that's very strong-willed and works really hard. Uh, we'll be watching for that. And then lastly, I think you mentioned where people can find you, but it's usually just Instagram and um, your Facebook, Twitter. Do you have Twitter? But where else can people find you? No, I don't have Twitter. Um, you can you can find this. I have so much information on my website. Um, yes. There's a lot of resources there too. So it's at www.thegrievingmind.com. Okay. And um, I'm most active on Instagram, certainly. Love it. And yes. of course, on Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks. At- uh-huh. Mighty Networks at the Phoenix Rising Project. Yep, Mighty Net- have, I have a link there on my Instagram account, on my personal Instagram account, where you can find me at dreamtree412 on IG, on Instagram. Perfect. Thank you, Tamara. This has been a wonderful and insightful interview, and we'll be continuing to watch what you're doing and supporting it. So I really, really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Delano.